Welcome to the Home of Having podcast, my friend. This is the place to learn how to create a home away from home. I am Nick. I am an interior designer, but also a CRL expat. And this season, I'm on the quest to find out what belonging means. Why? Well, because psychologists claim belonging is what defines the value of our life. And it helps us cope with life when life gets rough. And you don't need to be an expat to know life doesn't get any rougher than when we feel lonely. So I'm inviting you to hear and learn from inspiring people as they share their story and their knowledge on belonging. And then you can make a decision on what a homework having really means to you. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, hello, Kate. I'm so excited to have you on the Homework Having podcast. Welcome, welcome. Everybody, this is Kate Schaefer. <laughs> I had to ask before because I wasn't sure about the pronunciation. And Kate is, well, simplistically said, you're an artist, you paint. But since we are here on the Homework Having podcast, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us why you're here and what your mission is? As you said, my name's Kate Schaefer. I've, I've been painting most of my life, only been professional for about four years. But I feel very strongly that artwork brings a sense of joy and peace to our environments, whether they're our homes or our offices. Even hospitals now are finding out that artwork can be a very healing thing in their environment. So I guess the reason I'm here is kind of to promote that idea. Uh, artwork generally gets left to the side. People don't think about it so much. And it's It's one of those things that's traditionally only for rich people. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like people to rethink that idea. And instead of spending $200 on tchotchkes that really only collect dust, to, to think about investing in artwork that you love for your home that says something about you and makes you feel when you walk in the door, you just feel at home and you feel at peace. And it's, it's part of what makes you who you are. I think you just said something uh, very, very important because in my work with my clients in interior design, it's, as you said, artwork is usually the last thing they think about. And when I have a problem understanding my clients or seeing They're saying one word, and I don't know how to interpret that. Mm -hmm. I start from the back. I was like, what would be the last thing? What would be an absolute luxury that you would add to your home once it's all finished? And then it's easier to understand and work back what they mean by certain things. And it is, as you said, art. It's a luxury product. It's nothing that you need. We would argue art is the last thing and you don't really need it you can yes you can survive without art but art is so much more than just treating yourself to something so Kate tell me you said you have been painting all your life but mm -hmm. just in the recent years have become a professional what's a professional painter for you and how did you fall into well 
the professional side and how did you fall into painting in the first place? Well, art has always been very important to me. I'm a survivor of sexual abuse mm -hmm. and art was a way for me to get my feelings out without actually talking about it. As a child, it just wasn't, it just wasn't something you talked about. And in my family, it was a neighbor. It wasn't anyone in my family. But in my family, you didn't talk about that at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so to even, to even think about broaching the subject was anathema. So I found myself drawing fantasy worlds, you know, worlds where I was safe, worlds, you know, people that I could be friends with, that I could trust. And then as I got older, it became a way for me to, to get out some of the feelings that I had, fear and a feeling of, of not fitting in. I didn't have I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. I wasn't one of the in kids, but I the friends that I did have were very good friends. So, yeah. but I still never told anyone about it. So, it was a way for me to express my feelings without talking about it, without being in a place where I had to say it out loud, you know. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until just recently that I started talking about it at all. So went away to college, met my husband, got married, had kids, um, decided to stay home with my kids. And then I ended up homeschooling because my kids learned to read really early. And the school told me that they had to pretend like they didn't know all this stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> What a thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was like, okay. Sayonara. Uh, when my oldest daughter was three, she learned to read. And by the time she got into kindergarten, she was at a second grade reading level. She knew all wow. of her numbers and her colors and she was learning to add and, and all those things. And I took, I went into the meeting and they said, well, we, we can't move her ahead because technically she would be in the second grade and that's too much of a jump for her socially. So she'll just need to pretend that she doesn't know and, you know, do them in class like everybody else. And so I decided to homeschool, homeschooled them all the way through. Um, and it was when my youngest daughter went off to college that, you know, I started kind of thinking about what did I want to do? Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, now I had all this time. So my husband really encouraged me. I found out I had been doing art at home. Actually, when my kids were in school, they were in theater. So I did costumes for about 20 years yeah. and had, had been drawing with the costuming. And the opportunity opened up for me to get a studio. So my husband encouraged me to do it. And that was kind of the beginning of the professional route. Yeah. And so I obviously know what you are doing. I've seen your website and my audience can go and discover that right after the podcast. But why don't you tell us, describe what it is you're drawing? 
I love color. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a way for me to express my joy. I am a survivor, but I'm also, I also feel like I've gotten past a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And, and what I want people to know who have been in trauma is that there is a rich, full life for you after the fact. You can move on and you're a survivor. Uh-huh. So you made it through it and, um, and you know, you owe it to yourself to make yourself a good life. So I paint joy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, whether I'm doing portraits or landscapes, I like a lot of color. And I like it to express the joy I feel with just being alive and being in the world. So if I understand correctly, then the art that you produce is celebrating the fact that you're a survivor and not just barely. There is abundance as, or richness, fullness of life, even though there has been trauma in your past. And I also know that you do something else. Uh, the art journaling. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I started art journaling because it was a way for me to express and to talk about things. But I didn't want I didn't want my family to read anything that you know because yeah. I mean you know you're not just talking about the trauma but just day to day life and when you're mad at your husband and you know. <laughs> Yeah, which we all have those. Yeah, we all have those days. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't want my family to read any of it. So I started. I started writing in the journal, and then I started painting over it. And um, and that that's been several years that I've done that. Well, I started introducing art journaling to other people, whether it's just stress, which can be bad enough, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. or trauma. I've worked with lots of different kind of people and it's very therapeutic for everybody. So I am branching off on this new venture of offering our journaling in classes. And I'll also be having online classes mm-hmm. for our journaling. And it's not the traditional, you know, like the scrapbooking art journaling. Yeah. Um, it's got a definite purpose and there's going to be uh, prompts and, Yeah. So first of all, it's a very elegant statement to be able to discuss something without oversharing, without having the feeling that you have to strip naked. Because it is particular to our times now that everything has to be very explicit. We are so used to being so explicit that sometimes people get very confused by, I want to say vagueness, but it's not vagueness. It's by another form of expression. And they experience this at vagueness and then get very frustrated or very impatient because we see it everything. We see it, um, lyrics get more explicit. TV show get more explicit. I remember growing up as a child and watching Columbo and you never saw death, but you never saw blood. And now everything you see, watch Grey's Anatomy and you see the intestine and every, like, everything is so out there. And whilst that can be a good thing, as in we all appreciate the open talk that has come up with a movement like Me Too, it's becoming more mainstream, it's becoming okay to talk about things. It can also put a lot of pressure. If you want to say something, 
you have to strip naked and show it all. Yeah. So the art journaling is another form of communication. Yes. Yes. When you were talking about, you know, all this explicit, um, first of all, I think it makes us jaded mm-hmm. to, to people's stories, almost like they didn't happen. But also as a trauma survivor, being explicit or, or vulnerable in front of strangers is a really scary thing. Mm-hmm. So for myself, I do a lot of my artwork is very emotion driven, even though it may be a portrait, it's still very emotion driven. So people can bring to the painting their own emotions. And you can, as the artist, you can talk to the person about how they're interpreting it rather than, you know, feel like you have to put yourself all out there. Uh One example, I I did a piece, um, my very first series professionally was called Soul at Rest. And the, the series has places of stillness and then places of a lot of texture and it's juxtaposing the reds and oranges against the blues which for me indicates the blues are the water, the the washing, the cleansing, you know. So there was a guy that stood in front of this one picture, uh, one painting, and he stood there for quite a long time. And he, he turned around and he looked at me and he said, I don't know whether to find this disturbing or calming. And I kind of laughed and I said, well, would you like to know what it means to me? Mm -hmm. And he said, yes. So I explained to him about the texture and the colors of reds and oranges were the difficulties in our life. You know, the, Mm -hmm. um, the trials and the water was, you know, the blue was the water that washes and refreshes us. And even in the midst of trauma, most of us have moments where we feel happy, we feel joyful, um, we see hope. So that's what the water stands for. And I could talk about it that way without being absolutely explicit mm-hmm. about my troubles and what was my refreshing and let him bring his own experience to the painting. And that's the beautiful thing about artwork in your home is you have that opportunity to talk to people about why did you choose that piece? And it's not about matching the sofa, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask, especially with abstract art, I have one. I don't know if you can see it. I've got one standing in the back. Yeah, just a little, yeah. Yeah, um, it was the first abstract piece I ever bought. Because even though I am a designer and I'm a creative, I personally had no access to abstract. Like, I could not see. It never connected with a still life. There is an objective. You have to be as precise as possible, as as far away from the original, but still recognize that there's always an objective. and with abstract art for me it was missing that <laughs> the objective was missing so would you say the person purchasing the art needs to know the source of whatever the result is this abstract 
Um, I think it depends on the person. One of the things that I have seen um, when people are looking at artwork, especially abstract artwork, is they're trying to identify a thing, you know, so they can. And that's why tourist artwork is so popular, because when you look at the painting of the beach where you went for the summer, you can remember all the good things that you, you know, the good times that you had on that beach. And that's great. I, you know, I'm not dismissing that at all. But for abstract art, it's not about the thing. It's about how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Abstract artwork is very emotion driven. And I do think there needs to be a point. I am not one of these people that thinks that all abstract artwork is good. There are foundational principles in art, you know, the the fundamentals of line, shape, form, light, color, you know, those things, mm-hmm. and of design that make something appealing to look at. Uh, and our our brains are set up in a certain way to look for certain things. That's why we find some people's faces more attractive than others. Uh-huh. It's, you know, because their proportions are just so. But for abstract artwork, it's letting yourself take the time to look at it long enough to feel something. Uh-huh. And most people don't give themselves that amount of time to look at any artwork. You know, if you go to a museum and you watch people, they'll look at something and then they'll walk by. That's not enough time to really let the piece connect with you, whether it's realism or abstract. This is something you're going to have in your home. You need to connect with it on some level. So... Let me get back to the journaling part, because that too, I find quite intriguing. Art is, as we said, one of the least explicit forms of communication. It leaves a lot of room and it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And um, that can be a very good thing. But a lot of people find that unnerving as well. So I know because you told me before that the course you're offering on art journaling is not designed, is not meant for artists, but for private people who wouldn't even consider themselves or ever consider themselves an artist. And that plays very much into my theory, my personal theory, that there is something that you could describe between loud art and quiet art. Because when we talk about art, the chain of thought with most people is the following. You think about exhibition. You think, when you think about exhibition, it means showing off, um, somebody presenting something, somebody else receiving, there's an audience. And if you have an audience, you're inviting reactions. Mm-hmm. You are, with those reactions will come opinions. Mm-hmm. And with some of these opinions, they are might becoming judgments. Mm-hmm. So art is something very judgmental. And if it's something personal and something that you feel, yes, you open yourself up for judgment. Question is, do you have to take it? 
And the question is, do we have to follow this chain of thoughts? Because you can produce art without any intention to ever exhibit any of yep. it. Who says? Exactly. Yep. I think that something that this quiet aspect of art and producing art and seeing yourself, you can call yourself an artist to yourself without mm -hmm. ever saying that out loud because people were like, oh, then show me something. So you can make your quiet art something that is really, really private and very, very intimate. Yes. And everything that is private and intimate is something that belongs. So this feeling of belonging, belonging mm -hmm. to us and not just having, but giving. Um, so my next question to you would be how would you define belonging? Belonging to me is a person, a place, or a thing that you do that makes you feel like it's okay to be who you are. When you get judgment, it's generally because whatever you're doing doesn't fit the mold of whoever's watching. Exactly. <laughs> So that's actually the beautiful part of art journaling. I feel like everybody is creative in some way. It's been so stifled in our culture. Um, I don't know about in Europe, but in, in America, it's all about the tech, making sure that your kids get a job that they can support themselves with. And you don't want to bother with art because it takes time away from school and we really stress sport and we take art and music out of schools to help pay for other things. And, you know, my argument is that not everybody is going to go out for the football team or the basketball team. They don't feel comfortable there. So if you take anything away from them that helps them express themselves, a creative person will actually learn better if they're allowed to be creative. Music increases kids' ability to do math and science. And allowing kids to do art helps them do better in school. And it helps them be more compassionate. They did a study where they took senior high kids into museums and showed them artwork from various time periods and the kinds of things that showed what people were actually going through. And what they found was after going through the art and talking about it, they had more compassion for people who were poor and the kids that didn't have very much felt like they were not the only ones in the world that had experienced poverty. So they felt a belonging, a connection with one another. And I think that's what's missing. Certainly, that's what's missing in America right now. I don't want to get into politics, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that but that feeling that you are accepted for who you are and that you can disagree with someone without being their enemy is huge. Yes. And I think art allows us to do that. Art allows us to find a voice. And for people who are just doing art in their bedroom or at the kitchen table, which are the people that I am talking to. 
are the people that feel like there's a certain aspect of their life where they don't have a voice. They may be very tied into, I have to keep this job because this is how I feed my family. You know, my husband and I both have to work or I'm a single parent or, you know, um, I have this stuff I have to do and I'm fading. You know, there's nothing left of me. And this allows them to have 15 minutes a day where they can be who they are and say what they want to say and not be afraid that people are going to, you know, their loved ones are going to see it because they can paint over it and they can encourage themselves in the same, the same time, you know, that they are still alive and well in there somewhere. Mm. Yeah, this ties a lot back into not just communicating with the outside world, but also communicating as in self-respect and self-love and giving yourself the opportunity to go beyond the one-dimensional words. It's the closest, it's the most understood way. And I personally, I love, I love words, I love talking, I love languages, but there's other ways to add texture. So I wanted to ask you, And I'm not quite sure if this is a break or if this ties in well. But when you produce art, it's not about when do you know that you are finished with a certain piece. It's more the question of when are you, especially you that you are now a professional artist and you're showing and people maybe wonder of how you got there and of how you build up the courage to make the declaration that you are a professional and that you are now selling your art. When do you know, when do you feel that you can be proud of the work that you did and that it's ready to be put out there? Wow, that's a very complicated question. <laughs> as, a, as a kid being raised in a perfectionist household, it was not easy to, to finally say, okay, this is done and I'm happy with this. But I actually had a breakthrough piece called Spanish Guitar. People can see it on my website. Spanish Guitar started out a certain way. Um, I did the background. I was happy with the background. And it tells a story. And it's based on a song by Tony Braxton called Spanish Guitar. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted the guy that plays the guitar. And when I first did the girl's figure, it was just the dress. And I realized that that wasn't telling the story I wanted to tell. So I painted the girl and then I painted the figures and the figures in the center were really small and (laughs) they just didn't look right. And then I went through all this angst about how am I going to get rid of those figures without ruining the background and without ruining the dress? And um, this will all make sense when people see the painting. But I managed to get through all of that and did the did the fantasy. You know, it's it's about her fantasy at this club where she's listening to the guitar player who in the painting, all you see are his hands and the guitar because she's not in love with him. She's in love with his playing his guitar. So she's fantasizing about what he would be like based on how he plays the guitar and the center figures are her fantasy 
when I repainted them, I had talked with a, a guy who is an absolutely phenomenal figurative artist. And he was giving me some advice. So at that moment, there was like this aha thing in my brain about how I wanted to do these figures. So I did them and it just, it was exactly the story I wanted to tell in the way I wanted to tell it. And I stepped back at it and said, okay, this is, this is it. I mean, it it just was because I do believe there is a goal, you know, Mm -hmm. when, even when, if you're painting abstract, there's a goal. When you step back and you realize that you have met the goal and that it resonates with you, whether it does with anyone else or not, then you have finished, you know? I I know it's a... But it sounds very serene. It sounds very, very serene. esoteric answer, but, um, you know, I, I wish I, I am not, one of those um, artists that paints photorealism, it's really popular now mm-hmm. to do photorealism. And then it's really easy to know when you're f- finished. Does it look like the picture? You know, mm-hmm. does this look like the photograph that I took it from? And if it does, you're done. But I don't paint like that. So yeah. for, for me, it's about, does it say what I want it to say? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't say what I wanted to say, then I have to go rework something. No, no, that sounds it sounds very serene. That sounds very accomplished. Just the feeling of content. I mean, who doesn't want that? And how rarely yes. do we get there and do we let us get there? Mm-hmm. So one more question of for me, for you would be you standing where you are now with your history, with what you've done, with your personal art, with your professional art, with the courses that you are launching or just about to launch, you have a certain knowledge. You are on the other side of something. So I was wondering, is there a wisdom, a quote, a personal truth, something that you know to be true, standing from the position that you are now, and looking back and all the people that feel inspired to give it a try to try personal art or professional or whatever. Is there something that you can pass on to us that is absolutely clear to you that wasn't at all so clear to you before? Well, I think the quote I gave you before, art is a wound turned into light is just so real to me. A wound, um, you know, a wound bleeds and it gets dirty and, you know, you have a scab and you think of wounds as being very bad things. But I would not be able to do what I do now if I had not had the history I had. I would not be able to sit here and say, there is hope and there is joy and I am living proof that that is true. Because otherwise, it would just be words to people who are going through or have been through trauma. It's knowing that I can express myself in a way. And and whether you choose painting or writing or music to express yourself, art 
can take that hurt and create joy inside you, a joy that you can't get any other way. My husband finds that creative joy in the outdoors and I paint the outdoors. So, (laughs) Uh, but it's allowing yourself to be the creative person, to have the creative energy, allowing that in your life will change your life, even if you only do it at your kitchen table and no one else sees it. That's just a very nice word. Now, being who I am and what I do as an interior designer and coming back to our very first argument of art being something very luxurious and often perceived as well, not unnecessary, but as we said, the last thing you get when Mm -hmm. you have done everything else. Knowing for myself, being a creative and doing a lot for myself, I have this very ambiguous relationship with getting things that I perceive as luxuries for myself because when if you would come to my house most of the things when people ask me where did you get that where did you get that as I did it myself even if it has nothing to do with interior design so when I have this art piece here that is a bought piece people are now so accustomed to everything being DIY'd at my house that they think oh when did you do this oh my god this is actually bought like what you bought something I do buy stuff but there comes something it's just this wonderful feeling of owning something that you know don't necessarily need that you have this pure joy of being able to own of having done and having gotten for yourself what's the last thing that you bought for money that really brought you joy (laughs) I know it sounds silly but my husband and I bought recliners for ourselves for Christmas. Mm -hmm. We had an old, overstuffed, ugly, ugly thing. (laughs) And I bought it because he wanted to buy it. And I always hated it. And it took over the house. And it wasn't my style. But I found these beautiful leather recliners, um, hardwood that were in the arts and crafts style that I adore. Mm-hmm. And so we got them for ourselves for Christmas. And I sit in it every evening. Mm-hmm. I love sitting in it. I love the feel of the leather and the feel of the wood and the look of it when I come into the room. And yeah, it just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel home. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. Thank you so much for this interview. I'm sure a lot of people will have their reactions to that, <laughs> will have their opinions to that, and may might even have their judgments about it. Mm-hmm. But there is so much helpful wisdom in it. I want to thank you a thousand times for coming here, for sharing your story, for sharing your message. I will be adding the links to your website and to your YouTube where people can find it. So they will find that in the show notes. But um, why don't you tell us now how people can find you if they want to look you up right away? I am Kate Schaefer Fine Art, no matter where you go. So whether it's YouTube or Instagram, I'm KateSchaeferFineArt.com. 
So it's Kate Schaefer Fine Art, wherever you want to look for me. <laughs> Brilliant, Kate. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Yes, it was. It really was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you go, my friend. This has been my interview with Kate Schaefer from kateschaeferfineart.com. And if you asked me to name one thing I learned from her, it would be this. Kate is a painter, but her real skill is to express hurt so elegantly that you don't have to fear oversharing. She's putting it out there and then painting over it, literally transforming it into something else, something irrecognizable, something gorgeous, so that no one would have even guessed or dreamt of what actually lies beneath it. That is healing, my friend. That is practical psychology made poetic. And this ties back to what Kate said earlier. Art is a wound turned into light. And if you approach it this way, it is so much more than DIYing some home decor. It is an act of self-help. It's an act of self-love and it's an act of self-respect. Because you don't just stay with and relive the hurt, you are reframing it and you are showing up for yourself, willing to build resilience. And it is then up to you how much exposure you seek for your art, for your topic and for your past experiences. Keep it intimate, cherish it for yourself or go ahead, put it up in your home as a visual reminder of self-compassion. Hurt is a part of your past, and whilst it will always remain a piece of your history, it is up to you to work, to change, and maybe even to relate with a feeling of pride to what you have done with it. So if this episode resonated with you and you want to give it a try, I encourage you to find Kate and her courses on YouTube. You will find the link in the show notes. And if you appreciated our conversation, if you found value in it for you, please share it with your friends or only that one person you care about and that you think needs to hear this. I, in any case, am so very humbled that you were with us today. With lots of love from Switzerland, Nick and the Home Worth Having podcast. <laughs>